something that I know is true of all human beings. Uh, whether you're a Christian, you call yourself a follower of Jesus or not, or whether it's your first time or you're online, it doesn't matter, whether um, you're waiting for the college football playoff results to come out, uh, whatever it is, we all desire a few things as humans. Like at the core, we desire some of the same things. It's how followers of Jesus, I believe, uh, God has wired us to be. In fact, in graduate school, I was uh, studying, and you uh, heard of a man who maybe you've heard of, Abraham Maslow. And uh, in 1943, Maslow published a famous paper, at least in that uh, world, um, that changed modern psychology. And it changed the understanding of human behavior. The paper laid out five basic needs of human beings, and he put them into a pyramid with the foundation of the pyramid being the most important thing. We'll put it on the screen for you. Uh, Maslow makes a case saying that the most basic need that all human beings have, and I think we'd have a hard time arguing, is uh, this physiological needs. We all need things like air and water and food and sleep and shelter to survive over the long haul in life. And he works up the chart. The next layer is safety. Once we have a safe environment, we need love and belonging. We uh, have a deep desire, I think, uh, innately from God to feel a sense of love uh, and, and a space to belong in. And then he moves to the top of this pyramid, which is this kind of like fluffy thing called self-esteem and self-actualization, which is basically the desire to become the most that you or me, he or she can become, to achieve your full potential. It's good stuff. In fact, you're all now a graduate degree in psychology. You're good to go. But this paper, it's upheld the test of time, and it's still one of the foundational teachings in graduate school about human desire and human needs. But I think we can agree this was written in 1943. That was a long time ago. And so uh, I've taken the pleasure of updating Maslow's pyramid, and we'll put it on the, on the screen for you. There are things that we need more than physiological needs. Before food and water, we need a fully charged battery and some Wi-Fi. Can I get an Amen. You guys never say amen like that. My word. This went viral a couple years ago. At least it went viral kind of in my circle, which I think like Instagram knows I'm kind of nerdy, like deep down, because uh, I asked a couple of other people and they'd never heard of this uh, or seen this one. So I think it only went viral in like, you know, a small part of culture. But uh, Maslow's study wasn't perfect. There's things that he probably left out, but it was, it was helpful and insightful. One of the things that he doesn't mention by name, I don't think it's something that he would dismiss, but it's something that he doesn't name specifically, and this is the human desire, the human need to feel peace. Peace from external conflict, peace from internal conflict, peace with the thoughts that are racing through our minds, peace in the depths of our being, in our feelings, in our emotions, the things going on in our soul. I looked up the definition of peace this week. We'll put it on the screen. Peace is the absence of disturbance and conflict, which sounds amazing, right? But what's difficult is unless you live like in a monastery, uh, unplugged from everything, or you live in a cave somewhere, we live in a world that screams everything opposite of peace. Like, look up the opposite of peace in the dictionary, and you'll see our world in 2023, and it's not uncommon throughout history. It's just hard to find true peace. I went to a, a Christmas celebration a couple of weeks ago in Bernie. Someone asked uh, in the first service, Dickens on Maine, and it was amazing. We got there a little early, so we didn't have to fight all the traffic, and uh, we sat, and 
Uh, my kids got to listen to this woman that was dressed up, like tell the Christmas, the original Christmas story. It was like magical. There was lights everywhere. And there was at 6.30 a Christmas tree that was lit. And um, on the way out, there was live like country Christmas music up on a balcony and fake snow coming down. And I thought it was actual snow. I'm like trying to catch it on my tongue. I'm from Denver. You know, that's what we do. It was bubbles, but paid $8 a hot dog. <laughs> this dude was straight up cutting it out of the Costco bag, putting it on there and charging eight bucks. $24 for three hot dogs. It's unreal. But it was amazing. There was like Christmas joy in the air. But I tell you, uh, I used to be a police officer and um, my mind started to wander in the midst of this beautiful setting. I'm like, man, there's like hundreds, if not thousands of people here. And there's no, like, entrance and exit, and this is what we would call, like, a soft target. And my mind starts going to, like, what happens if? Where do I go if? And it's crazy. It's kind of a world that we live in, right? In the midst of fake snow falling from the sky and twirlies and $8 hot dogs, it's hard to find peace. In fact, I think it's not only the external circumstances in which we can't find peace, but we have a hard time finding peace in our own bodies, in our minds. And we're sick and we're sore and it's just anxiety and, and panic has just taken over our lives. Probably, probably every single one of us, whether you're here in, in person or if you're online, if you had a choice, if you're making a wish list to Santa Claus, you wouldn't ask for your two front teeth. You wouldn't ask for the latest, greatest thing I think if we could get what we really, really wanted, and you cut through all those things, you would ask for true peace. I know I would. And I'd probably ask for a couple of other things that would change our lives in this Advent season. That's why, as Alan mentioned in the beginning, for the next four weeks, we're in this season of Advent, where we're celebrating and remembering Advent together as a community of faith. Advent, if you don't know, is more than just uh, the Advent calendar, if you were lucky enough to get at Trader Joe's on sale before they sold out. It's more than the new Harry Potter Lego Advent calendars. Advent is deeply significant and meaningful in the history of the church. It's marked by this theme, as Alan mentioned, of waiting, of anticipating, a time marked by the longing the of, for the Messiah to return and make all things new. Over the next four weeks, we're going to look at gifts that God gives us in the midst of this Advent season. And we're going to push back a little bit on culture. Of all the gifts and money that we spend on things for other people, we buy gifts for people that we don't even necessarily love all that. Well, no, we love them, but, you know, that we don't even care that much about. We're spending all this money as a society. But as a community of faith, we're going to pause. And today, specifically, we're going to look at the gift of peace that God gives us. It's important to intentionally pause in the, in the seasons and the rhythms of life, in the natural calendar that we uh, kind of focus our lives around. And in the chaos of the holidays, we focus and we pause on this idea of peace. And it's important because we don't naturally drift towards peace as human beings. If we're honest, we do quite the opposite. Instead of focusing on the true peace that God offers you and me, we go out and we try to find peace in other kinds of ways. 
We try to find peace in things like purchases or in substances. We try to find peace in sex and in wealth and in status. And we can try to find peace in all those things. And trust me, we might find a little bit of peace for a little period of time, maybe even a couple of years in a row. But at the end of the day, true, gut level, peace only comes through faith in the peace or the prince of peace through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Look what it says in Romans chapter 5. Paul says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. This passage, among many others, show us that the only way to everlasting, through the storms and trials, life type of peace, is through the Prince of Peace. And here's the best news of it all, is that you and I don't have to do anything to earn it. We don't have to make a list of whether we've been naughty or nice. You don't have to work to earn that type of peace. You don't have to be good enough, strong enough, smart enough, courageous enough. God gives us this kind of peace as a gift. It's available to each and every one of us as we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And to, today, to help us further understand what this true peace looks like in our lives, I want to look at a passage that you probably have all heard of. Whether this is your first time at church or you've been here a long time, maybe you've been to a funeral or on your grandmother's wall with the cross-stitching, you've heard or seen parts of this verse. Maybe you heard the ever-famous Coolio song that quotes this passage. We're we'll going to be looking at Psalm 23, and this passage, I believe, outlines beautifully what it means to find a deep and satisfying peace in our lives, in our relationship with other people, and ultimately in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Psalm 23. That's where we'll be today. And if, uh, if, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, we have tables uh, in the back where we have free Bibles. You can take one or 12, as many as you want. And, uh, of course, we'll put the verses up on the screen for you. As I was preparing this message this week, I, I thought it amazing. It was just this moment as I was preparing that this psalm was written like 3,000 years ago. And millions, billions of people have read it or heard it. And it has brought a sense of peace to people throughout the centuries. And I hope and I pray that it will bring some of us peace this Advent season. Look with me in verse 1. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lay down, lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. It sounds beautiful, doesn't it? Like who doesn't want some of what David lists here? Lying down in green pastures, quiet waters, Guidance along the right path, a refreshed soul. If we could only take this and somehow find a way to create a, a substance or a pill and we could sell it for three easy payments in 1999, we'd change the world and make a little money along the way. But it's just not that easy. It's because of the first principle that Psalm 23 teaches us. We'll put it on the screen. It's this, true peace comes from surrendering to God. How many of us, and please don't raise your hands, can truly say we have surrendered our whole lives and are dependent on God as if he's our shepherd. This first line, the first five words, the Lord is my shepherd, might not mean a lot to you and me in today's day and age, but to David, the author, these words meant the world. 
Growing up, David, you might know, was a shepherd boy. He knew sheep. He was uh, intimately familiar. He understood how sheep thought and how they acted. He knew that sheep needed to be led to water. They needed to be led to green pastures so that they'd find food. He knew that they needed to be led away from danger. They needed to be protected by their shepherd. He knew that sheep are so smart that if they're walking, they don't know that they're up against a cliff, and they'll just simply walk off a cliff without a good, loving shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. You and I need a shepherd. Like, we're not sheep, obviously, but left to our own devices, left to our own plans, we're not that different than sheep. We run into danger. We find ourselves in, in difficult situations, and we lead ourselves and other people astray. But did you know the Bible refers to the people of God as sheep for 200 times? God, who created humanity, knows that if we're left on our own, we wander. Left on our own, we stray. We get lost and we end up in spaces or places that we don't belong. David is showing us as human beings that we're hardwired to need a shepherd. I'm going to go out on a limb and and say that I think probably the reason that very few of us, if not none of us, feel a deep level of peace is because instead of letting God be our shepherd, if we're really honest, we're our own shepherds. Instead of trusting God with our lives, with your marriage, or instead of trusting God with your career, your kids, your hopes and dreams, instead of turning to God in all things, We take our life into our own hands and say, no, God, I got this. I'll let you know when I need your help. I can tell you, uh, for me, I'm pretty accustomed to this. It's like I'm driving and and getting into the car. I'll be like, God, I'm going to drive. You go ahead and you ride shotgun, right? And I I got this under control, God. It's kind of like when I'm driving with my wife. I'm like, God, you sit there. Please don't tell me that I'm driving incorrectly. Please don't tell me that I'm not following the speed limits or I should have listened and taken that turn back there, God. Please don't freak out when there's brake lights three quarters of a mile up ahead, God. Like, I got this. I don't need your help. You just sit there and be quiet. It's kind of how I act in my life, if I'm honest. But listen, when we surrender, when we say to God, your will be done, not my will be done, the result is that he'll lead us, David says, to still waters. He guides us to paths of righteousness. He restores, he refreshes our souls. He gives us true peace. So my question for us today is, where in our lives have we not allowed God to be our shepherd? You probably have at least a dozen areas in your life, and I do certainly, that I'm holding on to so tightly. And I suspect that the areas that we're holding on to so tightly are the reasons that we have a lack of peace this Advent season. I want to invite you, encourage you this week, maybe today. Cowboys don't play. They already played. So you got a couple extra hours today. Ask God, God, where am I holding on to tight and not allowing you to be my shepherd? The first principle that Psalm 23 teaches us is that to find true peace, we must surrender to God. Psalm 23 also teaches us that true peace is ever-present. Look with me in verse 4 of Psalm 23. It says this, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
I think this is a moment uh, to just pause and hit time out. Because some churches that we grew up in, or maybe some families that we grew up in, somewhere, some long, somewhere along the way, we've learned that as followers of Jesus, nothing wrong would ever happen to us. And it's just not true. But we thought somehow that we, if we prayed the right things and dated the right people and did the right things and said the right things and all the things, that we would never face darkness or dark valleys in our life. But pay attention to what David says there. He says, even though I walk through, not if I walk through, even though which implies that I will, that you will, we will walk through dark valleys. This isn't the funnest or most fun part of the sermon. It's not super uplifting. But it's easy to have peace when things are good, right? In the honeymoon phase. It's easy to have peace when your kids are on the varsity team and have straight A's. When you're healthy, when you get the job offer that you've been praying about so much. But what happens when we hit the dark valleys in life? We have to know that true peace is present with us, available for those of us who are following Jesus. Biblical peace isn't an absence of a problem. Biblical peace is the posture of a person who's facing trials in their life. Look how beautiful this is. Jesus says this in John chapter 16. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. God says, even in the midst of our problems, even though I will walk through dark valleys, God is with us. God, Emmanuel, provides peace. That's why David says, even though I walk through this valley, you are with me and I will not be afraid. True peace is ever present, but sometimes we may not notice it. As much as we'd like it, I doubt that we will someday wake up and just feel a sense of deep, true peace. Sometimes you have to do a little something to find peace. And I know that some of us recovering Catholics or some of us recovering legalists uh, balk anytime someone says that we have to work to get something as it relates to faith. But we know that we can't just sit back idly and pray and go to bed and wake up one day and, and find peace, especially in 2023. So that's why throughout history, followers of Jesus have done these activities called spiritual practices like read the Bible, like pray, like fast from something or someone or food. We go into worship service week after week, even when you don't feel like going, or go into life group when you don't feel like it. All those things and more are ways that we can put ourselves in a posture to find true peace, where we can say, God, even though I'm hurting, God, even though I'm broken inside, I will still follow you. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but I will fear no evil, for my God is with me. The world is telling us that we can get peace through money, through substances, through relationships and followers and status. Maybe that's you today. You've had a really difficult year, and for whatever reason you're here and you find yourself in a difficult situation, you've run to everything and anything to find peace. You run to things like pornography or drugs, food, booze, fame, fortune. You've run to everything but your heavenly Father. And you find yourself more anxious, more tense, 
more overwhelmed than ever before in your life. But I hope that we together can begin to realize that those things that only find, that only bring about a temporary sense of peace. But when we're in the darkest valleys of our life, the only one that can really pull us out and bring us true peace, the peace that we're all longing for, is Jesus. And as you're sledging through life in the angst and all the pain, Jesus says, look, I've, I know what it feels like. I've been there. I know what that pain feels like. I know what that rejection in life feels like. I'll, but he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm right there next to you. I knew that you would go through this. I knew that you would find yourself in this situation, that you actually put yourself in this situation. And guess what? I still love you. In fact, I love you more than anything or anyone in the entire world. Which leads us beautifully into the last principle that we find in Psalm 23. It's a true peace comes from God's goodness. Look at verse 6. We're going to skip verse 5 and say this. Surely, David says this, Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David says, God, I'm going through darkness, but your peace is ever-present. You know what? I may not feel it. I may not even fully believe it right now, but deep down, I'm going to find a way to just trust you. I don't see it, but God, I know that you are good. It's easy as we first hear about David, as you're reading the Bible, to think that he's some high and mighty spiritual Christian guy. And it's easy for him to speak this way and focus on God when times are hard. But as you get to know the life of David by reading the scriptures, as you read the book of Psalms, you know that David didn't always feel this way. In fact, and his life was, in fact, far from perfect. But there are countless times in the midst of his anguish, in the midst of fleeing from his enemies. At one point, David says, uh, God, destroy my enemies. In fact, crush the heads of their babies on rocks. This is found in the words of David in the Bible. In the midst of all that, he would pause. He would stop, and he would cry out to God. He would remember God's faithfulness and God's goodness. I get this kind of picture of David running through life. And he's maybe like some of us. He's just running like 110% straight ahead all the time. He's going from kid pickup to kid drop off to HEB grocery pickup to the doctor appointment to the next appointment to, you know, um, doing things on 1604 that you shouldn't do as a follower of Jesus. And then suddenly David would just stop in his tracks. In the middle of the chaos, in the midst of the panic, he'd simply declare, God, you are good. David would shift his gaze from the immediate problems right in front of him to his heavenly father from the problem that he can't see through it just seems to be clouding everything he sees and he stops and he shifts his gaze to the shepherd god i trust in your unfailing love i trust that you love me god i trust that you see me i trust that you have good plans for me even though I don't feel it. I don't know about you, but there are times or days or weeks or maybe even months in my life where I, I'm just not feeling it. <laughs> I'm frustrated or I'm sad or I've yelled at my kids again. I'm in a funk. And I don't know why, but I just can't seem to snap out of it. 
Maybe there's times where something big happens. We, we have a death in the family or, you know, there's something significant. And so it's understandable why I'm just kind of out of it. But then there's just times where it's like every day is like grind, you know. <laughs> it's like day after day, it's the same thing. And there's just this sense of like, God, I, what, what's the point? <laughs> what's the purpose? And at my best in those moments, I try to follow David's example I'll stop and I'll pray. My best, I'll stop and I'll read the Bible. One of the things that almost always works for me is I'll stop and, I'll, and, and instead of listening to country music or sports talk radio or 90s uh, rap music, clean version, of course, I'll stop and I'll put on some worship music and I just start singing. And you guys have heard me sing. It's bad. <laughs> but I'll just sing out to my heavenly father and you know what? My circumstances don't change in those moments. Your circumstances won't change in those moments. David's circumstances don't change in the moment. But you know what happens? We start to sense God's goodness. And we start to find a little bit of peace in our lives. Band, you guys can come on up. As we've mentioned a couple of times today, Today in the church is the beginning of the Advent season, a time of waiting, of anticipating, of longing for. Thousands of years ago before Jesus came, the people of God were longing for. They were waiting for a Savior to be born, a Messiah to come. And he was born to this little family from this little backwoods town in this little dirty manger. And this Advent, we look back on that and we celebrate that because God, Emmanuel, is with us and he gives us true peace. But as followers of Jesus' this Advent season, we gotta be honest. We recognize that we'll never find true and eternal and everlasting peace on this side of eternity.